Welcome to the Inner Dominatrix Podcast, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. And today I have an amazing guest on with me. His name is Mark Leslie, and Mark is somebody that I met at an event down in Kobo. And I just had to bring him on because to me, he's an example right now in his life of living in the moment and living in authenticity. And even if things you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Sometimes that space between is so valuable. So I convinced him to come on so that I could introduce him to you and you can get to know him and love, fall in love with him as well. So Mark, welcome to the show. I am excited to be here. And I am in that space between because I am at a wonderful moment in my life where I'm figuring out what that next phase is going to be. And it's yeah. an actual... I'm enjoying it rather than panicking, uh, and that's a and that's a pretty startling revelation for me. It is, and this is very exciting. See, this is what I wanted to showcase: was that sometimes it's okay to sit in that space of nothing, to sit in that space and and let it percolate through what is what you most want to be doing. So, let's give the listeners a little bit of a background. What have you been doing? Where okay. are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Been, uh, a bookseller. Uh, I've been a writer since I was, you know, 14 years old. I knew I wanted to do that with my life. I've been in the bookselling industry since 1992, the year I graduated from university, and I've worked in virtually every aspect of the book industry. Um, you know, independent bookstore, chain bookstore, online retailer, uh, campus bookstore, and my my final role in the last six years was as the director of self-publishing and author relations for Kobo. Um, and that's where a lot of people got to know me as Mark because they couldn't pronounce my real last name, Lefebvre. Um I use Mark Leslie, which is Leslie. Okay. So I was going to say, did I say it wrong? Yeah, no, no, not at all. You <laughs> okay. said it right. And the reason I use Mark Leslie for my writing is nobody could ever spell or pronounce Lefebvre. And so even <sighs> when I was with Kobo and, 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 and I would be introduced when I was doing speaking and, and it was always funny because they would say, well, how do you, how do you pronounce Lefebvre? And I would say it's pronounced from Kobo. And, and that would be a, a good uh, icebreaker. For the, <laughs> like, well, it doesn't look like it says from Kobo, but I was usually, at least in the last you know, half dozen years, that was, the, that was the corporate hat I was wearing. So <laughs> that, that worked now. So now I'm apparently in some circles, I'm known as uh, Mark, the artist formerly known as Mark from Kobo. Um, <laughs> that, that's fabulous. <laughs> but it's a fun place to be. Yeah. Now you made some dramatic changes with Kobo when you were there. You really made some good strides for opening things up for authors. Yeah. So I was hired in uh, 2011. I, I was at McMaster University Bookstore at the time. I was the book operations manager and I had done something pretty uh, amazing and something I, I'm just so proud of doing is I had purchased an espresso book machine for the university. And it was, it was $170,000 US. And I had to convince the powers that be that I want to spend this money for two main reasons. I want to save students money on doing custom textbooks that could be a lot cheaper. But I also want to be able to enable people who want to create like just one or two or 10 copies of a book. I want to be able to enable the local community. We have professors, et cetera, et cetera. And I had an 18 month plan to get that money back, to earn the money. So I'm going to take the money from our savings going to spend it, but in 18 months, I'll have them, uh, or actually it was a two-year plan. I actually did it in 18 months. Uh, and what I learned with the espresso book machine was that there was a huge demand for people who had 
these great books and this great material to make available, um, but they couldn't find a publisher because it was too niche or, or, or whatever. And it ended up being such a success that people wanted to take it to the next level. So I created an account with Kobo to help them publish their book. So I would publish it for them to Kindle, uh, Amazon's uh, ebook platform. And Kobo didn't have a platform. So I, um, you know, created a, an account, went in the back end as a publisher and helped them publish their, their work. And then I got hired in October of 2011 when I started looking for that next phase in digital publishing. Uh, got hired by Kobo as director of self-publishing and author relations. And, and it was funny. They, they, they gave me a computer. Uh, you know, uh, they sat me down. They threw me in the office and they said, all right your job is to figure out what we're going to do. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was so much fun. I was hired in October, 2011 by uh, July of 2012 at book expo America, which is a major industry fair in New York. We launched Kobo writing life, which was a platform that would allow independent authors or small publishers, the ability to publish directly to Kobo, um, you know, in to make their work available in 190 countries. And by the time, uh, I left Kobo um, just in November of 2017. Books published through Kobo Writing Life um, were basically in the English language markets, you know, Canada, US, uh, UK, Australia, New Zealand, represented one in every four books sold. So it was a huge success. I felt really confident and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm done here. I've done some really fun stuff. I've had an amazing time. I probably thought I was never going to leave Kobo because I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had these great discussions with my boss uh, about, you know, the direction he wanted to move in and the direction I wanted to move in. And, and we didn't always see eye to eye, even though we got along. We were very frank with each other. And I realized two things. Um, one, Kobo Writing Life was my baby. You know, I watched it get become five years old, start to take its first steps. It was doing amazing, <laughs> brilliant, beautiful child that I adored. Um, but I realized that perhaps it's time for somebody else to take it to the next level. Maybe I was holding Kobo Writing Life back from all the things I wanted it to be. And in a similar fashion, perhaps Kobo was holding me back. And so we, we, we agreed uh, to part in a very amicable terms. Uh, and I left at the uh, beginning of November. And I mean, I, ironically, I have such good relationships with uh, the folks at, at Kobo. I, I was still produced the last couple episodes of their podcast because <laughs> it was just fun. I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed engaging with authors. And I'm actually going to be uh, doing a talk for them in, in Colorado in February oh. uh, because I have a good relationship with this author community at Superstars Writing Seminars. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting that I'm, I'm not there anymore and I don't wear the corporate hat um, but I still believe in uh, the author community and I believe in empowering authors and part of helping authors is sharing the things that I've learned over the last 20, 25 years. Um, and so that doesn't end even though my, well, the, the paychecks coming in from Kobo have ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, I just, I love this story for, for multiple reasons. So here's what I see is that one, you recognize that your time had come to an end. You didn't fight it. And so what you've ended up creating is a situation where instead of getting having to create a reason to be mad at Kobo so that you could leave, you set up a situation where you have this great relationship and you can continue to support them. They can continue to support you. However, that evolves. Right. That is to me, that really exudes the inner dominatrix. 
Ah, that's awesome. really does. <laughs> yeah. So I want to commend you for that personally. Right. Oh, we froze. I didn't even realize I was channeling my inner dominatrix. That's how, <laughs> that's how wonderful it is. I mean, we, we had met, I think, probably two to three weeks before the decision to leave. And it came really, really quickly. You know, and once my boss and I came to that agreement, we, we got like, rip off the Band-Aid and let's just move uh, move on. And, and, it, and, it's been, and it's been an extraordinary experience because I adore and respect all of the people that I hired to put into place, you know, knowing that, you know, they could do my job perhaps better than me. Um, you know, which, which, you know, at one point you, 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 that, that should put fear into somebody's heart, but no, I feel confident now because I know that authors are still in good hands. And, um, you know, I, I when I, I'd mentioned I'd started writing I think when I was 13 years old, I found this Underwood typewriter in my mom's closet and I spent March break pounding out this story. And I spent that summer working on a horrible book that should never <laughs> see day. And I've been writing ever since. <laughs> And one of the great things about being at Kobo the last six years, I get to work with authors from around the world and just be so inspired. But I've only been able to put out two books a year since I've been working there because I've been working 60 to 80 hour work weeks. And so, you know, one of the first things I did in November was I, you know, I just focused on getting at least 50,000 words of the first draft of the next novel that I've had sort of on my plate and, and knew I've wanted to write for the last year. Uh, so it's just been this great opportunity. I mean, I look at how lucky I am. I had this amazing job and then I got to leave this amazing job in an amazing way. Um, yeah. I've been very, very lucky all the way along. You know, and I'm going to challenge that perception that you've been lucky. You have shown up in a way that has created the opportunities. Okay. Yeah. The harder I work, the luckier I get, perhaps. Is, is, is and, and also, you know, because you're not, you're not getting into all ego, like you could have got all ego about the fact that you created this amazing piece within Kobo and you, you create, you know, you, this was the brain, your brainstorm, your child, like you could have gone there, but you, you were like, no, this is for the greater good. This is what I'm creating. But you had no attachment to it being yours. And so when the time came that it was time to let it go, you were able to let it go. Well, I mean, I didn't do it on my own. I had the idea. I was hired to it, but I worked with the most amazing developers and the UX people and, and authors. Authors helped make it amazing. So, yes. I mean, I could look at it as this was my baby and, and it was my baby and y'all mm -hmm. very, very proud of it. But you look at it and go, okay, it needs to go to school and grow up now and it needs to learn <laughs> from other people and then yes. it needs to get its PhD and all the things and, and I don't have to pay for the education, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it, it's been... I've always found there, 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 there's, there's things that can happen to you and there's things, uh, the way that you can react to them. And you always, always have that choice. You always have that control. Um, and it used to annoy my mom when I was a kid and she would say, you're making me angry. And I would say, no, mom, you're choosing to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a smart thing for a teenager to say. Not but I've always, I've always, I've always thought, yeah, I can, I can look at things that have happened and you can address them. So for, for example, um, three and a half years ago, my, my wife of 20 years had said, I don't love you anymore. This is, it's over. 
Um, and I said, well, let's work on this. Like that was my, my, my go-to uh, position. And it was sort of a, no, it's too late. Things have crumbled. We great, good friends, but we, we, we just grew apart over the years and she recognized it before I did and, and put an end to it. And, and, and yeah, of course I, you know, I, I, I sat, I sat alone in a hotel room well, cause I was traveling a lot for work and I ate a tub of ice cream and I put on Phil Collins and I cried and I did all that stuff, but I could have been miserable, but I looked at it as an opportunity you know, uh, and, and, I, and I'm in a relationship that is absolutely amazing. And I look at stuff and I think, yeah, I could, I could be miserable and think, wow, the 20 years, like what, what's going on? Or I could look at it as an opportunity and, and I would not have met Liz if that hadn't happened. So I, I think it's that, you know, when a door opens, uh, when one door opens, another one closes, you know, either your house is haunted or this is just an opportunity. <laughs> or we're talking about an advent calendar. You know? No, that's true. That's, or it's an advent calendar. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, it's, it's this attitude piece where, you know, instead of going into how horrible this is, you were able to, you know, I love the fact that you acknowledge that you sat down with a tub of ice cream, had a good cry, put on some Phil Collins, let yourself be in that moment. And yeah. then, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. And, 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 that, and that's, I think it's important. I think in the world today, people don't take the time to experience what they're in you know what, this is a miserable thing right now. I'm going to experience it for all it's worth. And I'm going to, it's very cathartic. I'm going to move on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm lucky. I've been a writer my whole life. So a lot of my energy and passion and, and anger and fear, it goes into, well, I mean, I write horror and thrillers. So a lot <laughs> of it goes into there. Um, and that's very cathartic when you actually think of it. It's maybe maybe I, I, I haven't really had to pay for therapy because, uh, you know, the therapy's <laughs> You've been like, getting paid for your therapy. Yeah, and in some ways, and sometimes getting paid for uh, for that as well, because sometimes the work actually sells. <laughs> now, how many books have you written at this point? Uh, I think there's 12 uh, that are out right now. I, but again, I haven't written them all. I've, I've edited, edited anthologies oh, okay. where the writers do all the work, and I just kind of you know recognize the diamonds in the rough and work with them. Um, I think I only have two novels out. Uh, a lot of them are short story collections and uh, the nonfiction books I do with Dundurn. So the true ghost stories that um, oh, very cool. I publish with them. So yeah, there's, there's a variety of different <laughs> flavors and tastes. There's horror, there's thrillers, there's the Twilight Zone fiction. Uh, and then of course, there's the, 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 the ones that, uh, you know, won a year with Dundurn since 2012, I believe. Um, those have been a lot of fun because I get to research. Like right now I'm researching uh, ghosts and morbid things in Montreal. In oh. Montreal, I'm co-authoring with colleague uh, Shana uh, on the Cobra Writing Life team. Like I, she was my first hire. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're working on that book together and it's due at the publisher in February. So that, that's a lot of fun. Because yeah. you get to focus on learning about uh, a city. And I'm not, you know, all the other books I've written, Hamilton, Ottawa, Sudbury, I lived there or I grew up there. So I knew the city really, mm. really well. And, and Montreal is the first city, well, I haven't lived there. I've been there many times, but I've never lived there. So now I'm, I'm learning more about the, the places and of course the ghosts and, the, and, and uh, all, the, all the fun historic things that sort of uh, fuel the ghosts. Oh, fascinating. Fascinating. I, you know, this is, this is exactly why I needed to have you in here. I just find you an extremely fascinating person 
from the fact that you are so passionate about what you're doing. And that's what always lights me up when I get talking with somebody, when they love what they're doing, when they're engaged with it in their, their whole being, there is something so delightful about a conversation when somebody is passionate <laughs> Yeah, that is true. Uh, I, I find when I'm talking to someone who's passionate about what they're doing, that, that fuels me, that gets yeah. me excited, which is probably why I love working with authors. Because, I mean, you think about when an author creates a piece of work, that's their child, that's their baby, mm -hmm. they love, they're passionate about it, and they're so into it, they're so invested in it, that fuels me. So mm -hmm. I can see that, so you get fueled by the passion in the folks you talk to, and I, and I similarly feel that that's my, I think I derive my superpower from from people's passion in the projects <laughs> that they're working on. That almost sounds like you're feeding off of them. Yeah, it sounds like maybe a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> but it does when, you know, when people are excited about what they're doing and they're sharing those, those, you know, in those moments where they're like, wow, this really worked. Then both of them, both of them get to be lifted up. Yeah. Yeah. It's the rising tides floating all boats, right? It really is. Yeah. So what, you know, I know we're in a state of flux with, with where you're living and you're in the, you're in the midst of moving, but what kinds of things are you doing for you to figure out what does Mark want to do for the next half? Well, uh, I mean, I've taken some time off. Like it's been amazing. I mean, I loved, absolutely adored my job at Kobo. I loved the things mm -hmm. that I was doing. So I mean, the one thing I did not enjoy, although I have to say, I got time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks is I didn't enjoy the 45 minutes to two hours it would take to go one way between you know Hamilton or Waterloo in Toronto uh, I didn't miss the only thing I miss about it is you know sometimes the morning uh, radio personalities from Hamilton uh, I love them I love listening to them it feels like they're my, friends, <laughs> my companions and, and I miss the time to list, get caught up on podcasts and audiobooks but that's okay I get on the treadmill or I go for a walk and I listen to them and that's healthier than sitting in traffic <laughs> yes and I pulled out all my hair over the years from sitting <laughs> in traffic. Um, so I, I, I think a couple things I, I just finished recording the last couple episodes of the Cobra Writing Life podcast and the one thing I knew I was going to miss desperately miss was connecting with uh folks connecting with authors connecting with industry professionals so i've started to put together um stark reflections on writing and publishing which is basically an, an excuse for me to interview authors and creative people and industry folks and just talk about that so i can stay engaged in that because that fuels me my, my 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 pay for that is the is the passion i get from from mm -hmm. the podcast so i'll be launching that in uh in january as i accumulate it's going to be weekly i'm really excited about it um and then I've, of course i've been taking the time to even though i haven't really slept in much i'm, I'm a morning person so sometimes i still get up at five and i and i go to work for uh, i do writing usually for the first hour two hours then i've been working on i've been doing some consulting and uh and talking to people from the industry because again i miss that interactivity and that engagement um, and I'm probably going to be doing, as, as I've already picked up a few sort of consulting uh, bits, because people do need help. And, and the one thing I think I'm most concerned about is that in the publishing and writing industry, there's so many vultures, there's so many sharks, mm. who are just there to prey on the hopes and yes. dreams of writers. And, 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 and over the years, I've, I've been in, you know, I've been doing talks and 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 people uh, have spent so much money in the wrong direction because they've been they've been conned by people who who recognize it's an easy con. And so what I'm hoping I can do is 
Uh, I've enjoyed being able to help steer authors in the right direction where they don't have to spend as much money and they can make good decisions. And so probably uh, I'll, I'll be putting out some content for authors to hopefully help guide them in the right direction. Um, and, and so ideally, I won't have to drive into Toronto every day <laughs> to continue <laughs> to do the things that I want to do. And so far, it's been okay. Uh, I've had more time for writing, which is great. And I've had more time to, you know, to look at how do I build up uh, a sustainable uh, you know, uh, offering uh, that authors would find valuable. Uh, and could help save them time and money. And so that's kind of what I'm in the process of, you know, not in any sort of stressful or advanced way. I'm just kind of sitting back and saying, all right, I've got some time now. How can I figure out what I want to do with my time? How do I want to invest the rest of my life? Um, and, and that's kind of the way I look at it. I love it. Yeah. And that, that sitting in that space and letting it evolve. There's so many people that just skip over that phase as far as I'm concerned. They, they think, oh, I need, I need to get out here. I need to get something done. And, and they'll rush into something and then go, oh, crap, that's the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never done that in my life, but, (laughs) 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 but there is something so beautiful. I've learned over the years that if I, you know, I have an idea and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to like marinate in it for a little bit. How does it fit? How does it play out? Where does it, you know, percolate in and fit in with the rest of the pieces of my life? Then I end up creating something much more dynamic that way. That is cool. Yeah. And people don't take the time. They rush, right? Mm. You know, we rush our traffic. We're mm-hmm. getting to work. We got to get to the job. We got to do this. We've mm-hmm. got to do that. We've got to drive the kids to the baseball game. We've got to, all those yeah. things. You never, you never do stop and reflect on that. And, and, and it's hard. It's really hard in today's world. I am very, like I said, I'm very lucky. And, and my partner, she is so supportive. Uh, of this transition because you know I, I've made jokes about you know now I'm a fresh air inspector now I'm just gonna <laughs> eat a block of cheese the size of a car battery sitting in my under <laughs> like all the jokes about you know about, about not being employed and not going into a, a, a job and um, and and she's been very very supportive of saying no 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 you're following the thing you're most passionate about yeah take your time and do it properly you, you're never going to get an opportunity like this again in your life so, so um, it's important to, to soak in the moment and, and, um, and feel it out and see what are the things I'm most passionate about doing. Absolutely. And I am so delighted that you have somebody who is willing to, to hold that space for you and say, you know, no, take your time, figure out what you need to do. Um, I know that was just invaluable. My husband is extremely supportive, very much a cheerleader. Right. And, and he's, he's like, do what you love. I want to see you happy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what a gift. And still, he says stuff like that to me and now and I still like am brought to tears because it's, it's so powerful when you have somebody who's willing to really hold that space. So yeah. I'm, I'm so glad for you that you have Thank someone you. that great. <laughs> Thank you. We both have people that great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're lucky. And I love the fact that you're, you're speaking to one of the industry issues that I would see. I know people who have gotten sucked into that, you know, $10,000 publisher, your book. Yeah. And oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's scary. I mean, they're selling the sizzle, not the steak. Yeah. And, and, and again, I mean, I know you have to invest money, you know, in editing and, and design and stuff like that, but there's so many um, 
add-ons that these companies will, will add on to people that they just don't need to do. What you really need to do is sit back and, and look at what your goals are and, and think of, you know, this is how much you're investing. And realistically, when are you going to make that money back? <laughs> or do you want to? I mean, some people just want to publish a book and tell their life story and they want their five grandkids to read it. And that's <laughs> awesome. That yes. is amazing, right? That they've given this gift to their family and that's their goal. Great. That's fantastic. You shouldn't have to pay through the nose for that. No. You know, I mean, maybe you need some help putting it together, but you shouldn't have to pay this weird $10,000 package. Um, you should be able to have a product that you can be proud of and that your, your family can be proud of. And again, your goal isn't to, to get on the New York Times bestseller list or, <laughs> or have your book in bookstores. And, and again, everyone has their own unique goal. Um, which is, which is specific to them. Uh, and, and, and I think helping people identify the goal before they start spending money can save them thousands and thousands of dollars, which is, is kind of critical. So that it's a good experience for them, not a painful, yeah, I wrote my book and it cost me $10,000. No, I wrote my book and I got to tell my story. And if I touch one person, I mean, in, in, in my case as a writer, if each book touches just one person, huge success. Yeah. Um, because I mean, come on, I've been, a, I've been a writer since 1992 and uh, I haven't made uh, millions of dollars off of it yet. So I better have a goal that's in line with <laughs> people enjoy the story or people, people escape for a while. And, and that was, yeah. that was, that was my goal. Which is, is beautiful. And it, it really comes back around to this being reasonable, realistic, you know, I hate to use those terms, but it's having a different outcome other than the millions of dollars, the massive reach being the overnight success, all of those, you know, trappings, which is, right. which is where I see people get sucked into that, you know, pay the $10,000 for the book, right? Because they want that instant success. Right. But if we step them back and we say, okay, you know, how can we impact less people more deeply? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, and, and that's a goal people don't focus on. I mean, I, I've been lucky. So as the, as the head of self-publishing at Kobo, I know authors who are making six and seven figures selling eBooks for $4.99. There's lots of them. However, a, a, one of the problems is there's tens of thousands more authors who are just making a little bit of money off of it. Right. So to sell it as a, this is a chance to make it big and you're going to be a bazillionaire, <laughs> I think... That's, that's, uh, it's misleading. It is. So therefore, what is, what is your goal? And, and like you said, in, in some cases, it's to reach the right people and yeah. touch them and change them and help them. You know, if it's nonfiction, that's a different thing because you're usually immediately solving some sort of problem someone has. And if it's fiction, often that's just, uh, you know what, I work, you know, I work a crazy job on the weekends or in the evenings when I go to bed, I want to read for 15 minutes and I want you to take me away. You know, I want my Big Mac for the brain in some yes. cases, right? I just want to escape into this wonderful romance or thriller or whatever and not worry about anything. And, and, that, and that's an admirable goal for a writer too. Absolutely. Oh, Mark, it has been such a delight. I would love to keep talking with you because you're just such a fascinating person and you're, you're very heart-centered, which I really, really like. So oh, thank you. It. Well, I'm going to have to have you on my podcast so we can keep talking and I can get more fun information from you. I would love to. So in the meantime, where do people find you? Where they find your books? Where would you like to direct them? You know what? Uh, MarkLesley.ca. My website has links to all my social media, like Twitter, Instagram, and et cetera. So you can find me uh, uh, out there in the, in the multiverse. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Dana.
If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to tell your friends about it. And if you're ready to own your inner dominatrix, then hop over to my website, innerdominatrix.com, and let's have a conversation to get you rocking your bold, sexy, fun-filled life.